Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. Come on, I'm not waiting on you people. Let's go. Let's welcome to Fight Club, everybody. And happy Tuesday. Hi. Happy Tuesday. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, everyone. We're joking about how much of a timekeeper Michelle is. That's why we all jump on laughing 90% of the time. She really gets gets us on the clock right at 10. (laughs) Like mid-sentence. She's like, and we're live. (laughs) Well, that's what great systems people do. Exactly. That's why we we have her. That's why we love her. That's just in her nature. Sorry. Well, welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. We're the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. And this week, we get to be joined by our friend Dirk. We're super excited to have you with us. Really excited to hear a little bit about yourself and your business. So if you don't mind giving everyone a brief rundown of that, that would be awesome. Um, Well, First off, thank you for having me on the show. I, uh, I think this is such a cool format and I, I know that you guys add so much value. So I really appreciate being on the show. Um, so I'm, I'm the kid that always wanted to be an entrepreneur and a business owner. Um, from the time that I was little, I just thought that that was the coolest thing. And um, I had a business in my 20s. That business failed epically when I was about 27. Um, and then you know, after that, I went through a grind for about eight, nine years where I was, uh, again, kind of back in businesses, but just struggling all the way around. And uh, in about 2012, I really started just having this realization that I'm missing some critical information because I was working really hard. I was trying to do the right thing, but I was just failing all the way around still. I was hardly ever home with my with my wife, my two-year-old son at that point, just trying to work and survive financially. And I just started this different journey, and I've been on that journey now for uh, about nine years, and uh, have learned a lot of cool things about about business. And uh, actually, went into corporate business for for several years, um, and then kind of resigned from that in 2016, and and started a, a small company in 2017 that I wanted to teach other small business owners what I had learned on my journey, because I didn't want them to ever get trapped in that place that I was. So. I've been doing that since uh, 2017 now, and we've been blessed to now work with over 300 companies in the last five years. Um, and we've just really dissected the playbook of, you know, what does it look like to take a, a company from one to $10 million? Like what is involved in that? And we specialize in service-based companies. We work with a lot of, you know, uh, home-based service companies. So really excited about the the conversation today and, you know, just to to chat with you guys and add value to people that are listening. Awesome. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'm really excited, Dirk. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband. And my background is in marketing. And I really help like helping business owners uh, find ways to analyze those numbers that come in from the marketing companies and really make better decisions based upon that. Because sometimes it can look like a jumbled mess and we don't really know what they mean as business owners. So once I really learned that, you know, back end side of it, helping them understand those is really crucial and really important for them to feel comfortable making those decisions. So that's my my background. Super excited to have you on with us and welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. 
Good morning, and my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. My passion is educating and empowering small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. Um, I do this through a series of things. My my like secret thing is I teach business owners how to do their own bookkeeping in less than an hour a month without any accounting experience required. I also am a CPA based out of California, so I have a traditional accounting firm, which is why I almost pulled a Sarah Mitchell this morning with my sunglasses because it's tax season and I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, and so my a traditional accounting firm is Likes Accounting Company. Uh, we serve small business owners uh, in the home service space, doing their bookkeeping for them and fractional CFO services. And I own a window cleaning, gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff. Uh, that's my favorite of the five businesses. And I'm really excited to be here, even if it's super early in California. Welcome to Fight Club and Michelle, taking it to you. <laughs> hey there, Dirk. Good morning. I am super excited to hear from you because not only is the one to 10 million my client at Pink Collars, and we put remote CSRs in your business, that's actually my business too. Pink Collars is that one to 10 million. So I'm thrilled to hear from you about how you've built teams and I can't wait to talk about that as a system um, and as a strategy for business owners. So welcome to Fight Club. Thank you. And lastly, I'm Martha Woodward. Um, I used to own a service business. I now uh, just run quality-driven software and uh, various courses I have around culture. And we just help people build happier workplaces. So thanks so much for joining us, Dirk. It sounds like I'm going to have a lot to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you, you guys are all, you're all experts and, and really, really looking forward to the conversation. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, Tay. Awesome. Well, I'm, so we're talking marketing, right, Dirk? And for me, when we're talking about it from the one to $10 million marker, it's very different than when we're talking to small business owners who are in that new entrepreneurial stage, right? When they're just getting the business going, they're really kind of probably focusing a lot towards Google ads, things of that sort. So I would like to talk the strategy that you really talk with your clients about going from that one to $10 million marker, because it is a different strategy, somewhat similar, but different in a sense to what new entrepreneurs are starting with. And these, these adjustments to marketing campaigns are very important because if you don't make them properly, can kind of have adverse reactions to them and really not do the job that it's supposed to do. And then you're in turn wasting money versus really being able to profit from those marketing campaigns. So when you sit down with your clients, what's really the first thing you're evaluating with them when it comes to marketing? All right, so I, I got to be honest on this, and, and this is an area that we don't spend a lot of time with on companies. So Ooh, I'm excited to hear that. I like yeah, it. So, <laughs> so this is, I would tell you right off the bat that uh, marketing is definitely not my specialty. Um, That's okay. Now, I do have some really interesting thoughts on this, though, so 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 bear with me. But okay. Um, now, I have been responsible for growing, uh, you know, my own companies and um we, we own four, four companies that we've launched since 2017, um, and they've all become seven-figure companies um, since we've launched them. So uh, we do understand the, the growth side, but one thing that has been very confusing to me is um, that so many companies talk about marketing, and then I say, okay, what is marketing? And then they, they have a hard time defining what marketing is. And and I think I have a hard time too because uh, I was I, I kind of came up learning how to build businesses through 
prospecting, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's one of those things that uh, is is very different to the marketing game, right? So, Absolutely. but but one thing that we we really encourage companies to look at because uh, we we have a very simple structure that we we teach companies to use, and we call it the SOG model, S-O-G, and it stands for Services, Operations, and Growth, S-O-G. And uh, we really encourage companies, when they're thinking about growing and scaling their company, to think in terms of growth, not just marketing. Well, what is growth? Growth is anything that's related to getting more clients, getting more customers, and retaining them, right? So. Uh, what we typically do is we break it down into two buckets. Marketing is one bucket and prospecting is another bucket, right? And right. I think, um, you know, and, and obviously I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because you're the expert, but my thoughts is for, for a small company, you don't actually need to go out and market a ton of stuff because you don't need that many clients to actually get going. What you need to do is you need to start with a few clients and you need to learn how to retain them and turn them into raving fans that'll tell more people. And that's that's what, you know, one of my things that I focus on is, you know, how do we go and get the 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 one offs, the one offs, the one offs. Now, we've actually hired somebody that specializes in, in marketing at, in our company because, again, I'm not that guy. And, he, you know, Brad's working on like, you know, what's the stuff that's going to generate a ton of business for us two years from now. But when you're a small business, you, you can't delay two years to go get customers. You got to go out and get customers today. So, you know, I, I kind of, I'm of the old school that says, look, you know, talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors. You know, if, if you're in home services, go to real estate offices and go find the top producing real estate agents in that office and set a one-on-one -on -one appointment with them and get to know them, tell them what you do, ask them how you can serve them and we've got a lot of businesses that are, that are involved in home services that we've actually put a program together for prospecting to top producing real estate agents where some of these companies, they're getting so much business from those agents because these agents have mega teams now and they're selling two, 300 houses a year. So you get five or six or seven of these agents, they're touching enough real estate that they can keep you busy full time, just really helping them with their needs. So that's kind of my approach to like smaller companies is that, look, be strategic. Don't waste your money if you can't calculate the return. Because for me, that's where it's been really challenging on marketing is that I don't have a good tap on how to really understand what the return is on my, my marketing spend. And I feel really good about, um, you know, Brad and Nikki running our marketing for Berkflow now. But I mean, we've gone through like four marketers where we're six months in, we've paid them tens of thousands of dollars and like there's nothing measurable and they keep talking about well it's going to take time and take time and i'm just like look i'm burning a lot of cash you know paying you guys right now and we're not generating in you know more business so you know for me i tend to revert back to go talk to people build relationships tell them what you're doing and take care of them when you do business so that's my kind of my my fallback Oh, I'm excited. Okay. So this one, a direction I, I didn't see coming, but I'm happy it did because it's, that's where my passion lies, right? Is helping business owners understand those numbers. So they do know where the profits end up coming from when putting that money into marketing. And that is something that I feel personally has been a very vague subject within the marketing world for a long time. We're not, yes. Can you get dashboards from your marketing companies and be able to evaluate what they're doing? But in all honesty, to the average business owner, it looks like Chinese, like it's numbers yep. and 
you know, graphs on paper that they cannot really understand from a marketing perspective on how that money is actually benefiting them. So I agree. If you're working with a company or you haven't even decided to work with a company, Megan is going to be very happy I talk about this per usual, but you don't have to necessarily invest in marketing right away. And I know Megan hasn't for a long time and she talks very openly about that until recently with really working on her brand campaign. So you can truly build your business from referrals and word of mouth and friends and family and then working with great connections that you've prospected as Dirk is saying to become valuable referrals to you. Real estate's a huge one. We talked a lot about that last week and how to be able, Megan kind of put that formula together for everyone on how to be able to find those top performers in your area in those certain markets. And it sounds like you have that as well, Dirk. So those can be very beneficial to smaller business owners who are looking to create, <clears throat> excuse me, that relationship. Now we create that relationship. We have those you know, clients coming in. Another thing you touched on was really being able to retain those clients. So this is something I can personally talk from, and I know Megan can as well. She's worked on it a little bit with her business. When you're in the home service industry, specifically providing to homeowners, you need to find out what their why is and what the problem is you're really solving. And what we've found in South Florida with the environment that we live in, with the clients that we work with, it's really not just a once a year cleaning. We want to make sure our clients are able to really enjoy that patio that they moved down to and that home from the Northeast where they lived in snow for God knows how long in their life. And now they get to live outside in sunshine all the time. So developing for us, a maintenance plan has been really crucial and really has been beneficial to our clients because we're solving that why. They don't ever have to worry about going out to a dirty patio. They're going out to something that's clean and refreshing and really brings in that Florida sunshine for them and that happiness that they've been searching for for years in that retirement. So finding those pieces is now what builds that long-term client you know, referral and lifetime client and raving fan that you were talking about. So there's ways, all of these are ways that aren't even involving marketing dollars, right? You're looking at your business, you're analyzing how to solve that client's why and marketing to your internal client, not well, not necessarily your internal client, excuse me, but your current client list, I should say, on how to make them happier longer. So that's really something that's so beneficial and can be done in so many different ways, depending on what part of the country you're in. Everyone has that why and that problem. So we really can solve that as business owners if we just take the time to sit down with maybe our favorite client, Mrs. Jones, and say, hey, how can I make you the happiest client that you could ever be? And just have those open conversations, discuss with them what's really important to them. And then from there, start to build programs and test systems to be able to see if that's really the right direction for all of your clientele. So one thing you said that I love is marketing to your current clients, because I think I'm a firm believer in that. I am such a fan of, um, you know, if, if we're going to send swag out, don't send it out to somebody we're trying to do business with, send it out to people that we're ready doing business with and, you know, find ways to honor them, find ways to surprise them. And, you know, that's, that, that's such a powerful thing. Cause I think some companies, as soon as they get that client, they're on to the next one. And, and when I first got into real estate, I was that way. I would never, like after we sold a house, like closed on it, I wouldn't even talk to my clients. I didn't know for like three years that you should follow up with your past clients. You know, and Absolutely. then it, it's, it's almost kind of like flip flop now where 
I mean, we just want to constantly, you know, market to our current clients, but, you know, in a way that just adds value to them, that, that pluses the experience. And I think like that's such an important thing. And the other thing that you said that was so good is ask your clients what they love about you. Ask your clients what, what they would love to see from you. How could you add more value? Because I think like that's how you build a really great client experience. Absolutely. And when you're talking, because I love what you talked about too, it's not necessarily getting that new client every time. We've all run into that. I know I can raise a hand and say, we've been that business owner who has gone from client to client to client and said, yeah, this is great. We're getting all these new clients. But what did we do for the client five clients before that really loved what we did and never really held on to that? So we're all guilty of it. It's something when you're new into business, it's, it's, Kind of the nature of the game we don't really talk about it enough early on in business but if you really sit and evaluate those key pieces i'm sure megan can talk to the financial gain that you really get from working with your current current client base and not necessarily having to go out and prospect new ones right away so i know we talked a lot of pieces about internal and really focusing on your marketing with your actual current client base at the moment um, as well as prospecting. So I think it's a good point to kind of transition to some money because Megan will definitely be able to hit a few key topics with you real quick. Um, but I appreciate your openness, Dirk, and um, your honesty about not necessarily doing marketing because I appreciate that more than you actually know. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so you did say something something too that I'm really interested in talking about and, and it may be with somebody else in the group, but how do you turn a or, or a service-based company into a subscription model? Because I think like that is going to be massively important. Well, I'm handing you off to the best person. Yeah. <laughs> been on this for a while outside of Fight Club with our businesses, so I think that's a perfect transition for Megan for you. Uh, so, you. so Tay, so I've been like obsessed with this idea of subscription-based businesses for my window cleaning business for about four years now because I started hanging out with Martha Woodward, who has had a main service, and they are like the queens of recurring income, right? And yeah. they have all these philosophies about cleaning clean, which in window cleaning, we didn't. My husband would literally go to a house and be like, your windows are still clean, I'll see you in three months. You know, he he didn't understand how to do maintenance cleaning. Um, I'm also an accountant nerd and I've done a lot of analysis on mergers and acquisitions lately that talk about the power of recurring income and the power of having service agreements, like and building a fence around your customer. So I finally launched a membership thanks to Tay because it took me four years. Tay did it in like a month. And then in January, we hung out in Phoenix. And so we launched February 1st. And um, and so I could absolutely nerd out about it. And since you want to talk about it, we should. I thought we were going to talk about the value of having a good team and like how you could actually put a monetary value on A players. Um, but but we can go this direction. This 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 is fine. I, I like it when we go. I, we could have also talked. Oh, yeah. Martha will do that. Perfect. Martha's okay. got the value of a good team. And But talk about the dollars, because I feel like we never talk about the financial impact of having a strong team. We talk about the feel good impact, which it, really it, it's massive. I mean, it is massive. having a great team. And, and I know Martha will dive into it, but hiring the right people and retaining them is probably the single biggest x factor in, in building a big and profitable business that's it okay and like enjoying working with them so we're gonna let you and martha talk about all of that just promise to at least talk briefly about the economics then after your conversation with tay i was like we could talk about whale fishing because realtors are like you know they're like dolphins but they're like property management companies that are whale. you know 
or uh, I have a call coming up with somebody who uh, does just assisted living uh, facilities, like, or, you know, my favorite talk of all time, Josh Latimer, if you would just bring it back or record it, I will facilitate. <laughs> he gave a talk about whale fishing, about how he got the GE campus. Um, like a $1 million contract for five years for window cleaning. Anyway, uh, I think we should talk about this uh, maintenance plan. I think we should talk about uh, building a fence around our customer. I think we should talk about less customers equals more money. Um, and I'm going to start with uh, a book recommendation for our listeners, and that is The Pumpkin Plan. And a thank you to Martha for that time that she locked me in the car on the way to Dallas and made me watch, listen to it, um, changed my life, and I've been iterating ever since. So, Dirk, I... I think we're going to be best friends. I just think this is going to go really good. <laughs> there's, there's so much good stuff to talk about. I was like, oh my gosh, we could go so for hours. But we only have 10 minutes. Um, so yeah, okay. let's let's stay specific. Um, mm -hmm. You said something with Tay just a minute ago that I just did. So I feel like you bugged my house because, and I wish you would have bugged my house four years ago. Um, surveying our customers. Like, why do we do all of this like cold marketing stuff and and worry so much about what strangers think about our company and why aren't they calling and why isn't the phone? Why don't we just talk to our customers? Like, when did we get afraid of talking to our customers that have been around forever and ever and ever? Like, why don't we just ask them? Like, what do you want? <laughs> what do you like? <laughs> what, you know, why don't we do that? So do you have any favorite strategies for making that simple? Yeah, good. Good question, and uh, and and I think it's an and thing, right? I, I think if you really want to grow fast and be profitable, it's an and thing. So you you got to go out and get the new customer, and you have to really take care of your current people and retain them. Um, you know, we're a big fan of surveys, and you know, even just like simple surveys, like two, three question surveys, but. I mean, you know, sometimes some of our customers probably are like, oh, gosh, enough of the surveys already. But we, you know, Wait, before you go further, have... I have to warn you, Martha owns a survey software company. So it's amazing. I love, I love it. it. It's called Quality that, that awesome. Software. So we're not going to bash on surveys. I love surveys. To, but yes, keep going. <laughs> But the, the thing about it is you, you have to you have to talk to them and you're you're going to find right. Um, I'm a really, really big like Pareto principle fan, right? In in the 80-20 rule and really understanding that, look, 20% of my clients are going to account for 80% of the success in my, in my business. So you have to have a disproportionate focus on, on clients. You can't, like they say, treat everybody the same, like as far as your clients go. Um, well, the thing about it is like, I believe that you need to have a solid standard in your service so that does not deviate, but from the way that you internally market to your, your, your customers, it has to be disproportionate because they account for a disproportionate part of your business, right? So um, when, you, when you start to understand that, you're, you're, you can start understanding and, and, and really your, your financials will be able to tell you who your top clients are, um, but it's not just that. I mean, a top client may not just be your highest dollar, uh, you know, one of your, your top dollar earning clients. They could be the client that's your, that's the raving fan, right? Where they're actually sending you business all the time and you don't even know that they're sending you business. So one thing that I think is, is important is talking to your people. And, you know, one thing that, that I think is important is to not be bashful about asking for referrals but maybe doing it in a way with like, hey, is there something that you really love about our client, that about our service that you would tend to tell other people about? 
You know, so I, I would want to find out what are the things that they would want to share with others that they love about us. And, you know, if, if there's something they're really strong about, you know, say, hey, would you help me out? Like, we're trying to grow our business. Would you help us with that? So I think, like, that's a good way to kind of start getting that information. And I also like the question of, like, you know, what are we not doing or what could we be doing that you would love to see us doing? You know, and and understanding that because you have to make it relational. And I think from from a business standpoint, um, I think your 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 ops team through systems can do a lot of good things to maintain those kind of relationships. Talk to people. I think you know also training your technicians that you know when they're out with clients, how can they show up with clients? And I think like that's where we have seen because we actually measure emotional intelligence. We've seen a lot of technicians that have high emotional intelligence that are the requested, most requested type technicians out there. Because it's not for them just to go do the technical work, it's it's that they're in the moment, they understand there's a homeowner, they may just have a quick conversation, hey, how's, how are things going? Is there anything else we can help you guys with? And you know, having that relationship too, because sometimes they may tell the technician on the ground something that they would never tell somebody, you know, the owner or something like that, you know, calling them. Sometimes it's the, the opposite, but, I think if you look at a team approach of saying like, how can we have conversations with our clients, whether it's you're on the ground doing the work there and asking them, you know, hey, what do you love about us? Or is there anything that you would you would love for us to do for you? And just asking short, simple questions like, I mean, once a year we send out a really heavy survey that's probably taken our clients 30 minutes to take. And they, they're usually really good about doing that because we bribe them with stuff like T-shirts and stuff like that. But um, you know, we, we're a fan of like a lot of just like short things to say, like, what can we do better? How, and, and as an owner, you have to know that, man, like those things sting a little bit when people are honest, right? Cause I mean, there's, we, we all tend to think that we just do amazing business all the time for everyone. And when somebody comes back and says, you guys really didn't do a good job here, or I'm not really winning through the service that you're giving me right now, you know, or when, when people say like, when clients tell us like, um, and I've just been so busy. I haven't been able to engage with you guys. Immediately for me, that's just a value conversation. We're not adding enough value for you to make the time to spend with us. So we're actually failing in that. And and okay. for me, it's I just have important to, pause to, you to go to that. I have yeah. to pause you and interrupt you because I just have to share with you the awesomeness of what you're talking about. And I have to be the proof, like literally you bugged my house. So I surveyed my customers uh, five weeks ago. I sent out a customer service survey and i'm just going to share it real quick because it's seven questions it's very fast it takes them less than a minute to complete and i asked them which of the following services do i currently offer because it turns out my customers don't even know what i what i sell them and then i asked them how often would they like their windows cleaned how often would they like their gutters cleaned do they have solar panels conditional response yes then i ask them how often no i ignore it uh what could we do to better serve you? Open-ended, open text question. Mm. From those survey results, I then said, do you have time for one more quick question? That way I could compile it. So uh, one more quick question said, are you re ready to schedule your next cleaning? Yes or no? Then I wow. pre-populated all their information. Wow. And I want to tell you, if you're a listener, what happened. What happened is I got 222 requests for work from Whoa. one survey. Whoa. My awesome. average ticket, my average ticket is over $1,200. So we can do that math. Like that was a significant money bump to me. Now, let me tell you the next part about what happened though, which is most amazing. 
I use those responses and starting tomorrow, I'm launching my campaign to roll out my membership formally to my customer list. Now, my membership has been being built for like four or five years. Everyone's clapping. Yay! We have soft launched it since February 1st. Uh, we have 111 members already. I will tell you, to be a $1.5 million company, I only need 600 members. Guys, I haven't even launched, I haven't even rolled it out to my customer list, and I only need 600 wow. customers. So this is exactly what Dirk was saying. You can take your company. You don't need, okay, I, I agree that in growth phase, we do need the phone to ring. That's fine. But if you could just focus on the money that is currently sitting in your bank account, meaning the client list that is currently in your CRM, and you could serve them better, you will be happier. Your employees will be happier. Your clients will be happier. And the whole business model just gets significantly easier. So mm. I like, yes, yes, Dirk. Yes, <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> I love yes. it. That is awesome. That is, awesome. That, is that, that makes me so happy that, that you're able to do that. Because I mean, like, that's where business gets good, right? That's where it gets fun when, when you can start playing at that level. Congratulations. Right? And the customers yeah. are happier. Like, we are just serving them better. They, on average, are getting their windows cleaned maybe once a year, maybe every other year. And every time they call, they say, well, you were just here. And the answer is, actually, you were there four years ago, Mrs. Jones. But it feels like <laughs> yesterday, right? Um, so now the response rate is, they actually would like me to come between two to four times a year. Wow. Two to four times a year, they want me to come out. So if I can increase my average ticket because I'm telling them that actually, Mrs. Jones, it would be much more economical if I cleaned your gutters, then your solar panels, then your, my husband's going to say that's wrong, clean your solar panels, then your gutters, then your windows while we're at the house, <laughs> that would be better. And Mrs. Jones, we recommend doing that twice a year. They're like, yes, great. Why didn't you say so? I had no idea. Right. So you're just serving your customers, but you have to have a conversation with them. An easy thing to do if you use Jobber, you can run a list and you can sort that list by dollar amount and you can figure out who are your top 20% of your customers and you can call them and you can do this survey over the phone and just ask them how they're doing or tell them. Like one of the biggest powerful things we've done in this rollout is just said, Mrs. Jones, I noticed that you've been getting your windows cleaned about four times a year. Would you like to save some money by joining our membership program? Yeah, the part I haven't worked out yet, and then I'm going to stop talking because it's supposed to be up there, not about me, but I'm so excited, <laughs> is I'm charging them for the membership. So we built out a separate service agreement. We're charging them like the Costco model, $49 a year to get exclusive access to our discounts, to proactive scheduling, to us treating you like royalty, but it's going to cost us a little bit of an admin time to make that experience worthwhile. So um I have a feeling we might have just like 10 extra multiple. I'm not planning on selling, but I think it's very exciting. So Dirk, what do you think? What what am I missing? What's next? Um, yeah, so man, like that is hang on, my my dog is just barking at somebody that's walking by my house. Oh, um, hi, <laughs> yeah, I cash, no. <laughs> I think that is that is we so are brilliant. All dog people, Dirk. They're, they're, yeah, okay, yeah. good. We so all have a dog know. nearby, usually. All of us, yeah. <laughs> um, hang on. All right. So I think if more people can think in those terms, because you're, you're absolutely right, the, the multiples on valuations go up um, a lot when you start looking at re-recurring revenue. And there's actually formulas that 
you can really calculate it. if I can get to this number of maybe it's it's MRR or QRR or ARR, whatever whatever your metric is, and you have this monthly, kind of growth rate and this kind of retention. Monthly recurring revenue, quarterly recurring revenue, quarterly annual recurring and, revenue, annual, just in case right. you don't know what those stand for. That's like how much per month do you have a credit card on file that's auto charging every single month. Mm -hmm. So that's the MRR. And, Keep going. And, and, you know, it's, it's exciting when you start looking at that because, man, like the one thing that it just helps so much with is cash flow. Um, and, you know, especially if, if you've got some companies that you've got seasonality and those ups and downs, things like that, cash flow gets hard sometimes, you know, especially like in the down season and your bank account goes from kind of having quite a bit of money in it and you're happy to like no money or maybe you're in, into a credit line or something like that. So the re-recurring revenue really helps flatten out your, your cash flow challenges. And, and for me, I'm a big fan of that. We've got uh, two companies that run on MRR and, you know, we've, we've just hit um, about 200,000 a month in one company. And the other one is now at about 90,000 a month. So, you know, they're starting to kind of get a little bit of legs under them, but same kind of thing. It's, you know, we're excited to kind of, you know, continue to, to build out models like that. Um, because it just, gonna... it makes everything in business easier when you have that. It adds predictability it, it, and it shows you when people vote, people vote with their credit card. So that's one thing that I, I do believe. And, you know, we, we don't run any kind of contracts with our company. So and it's a monthly charge. So if somebody stops their, their credit card payment, if they cancel that, they just voted that something is off in the way that you guys are servicing us. And we believe that the more that you can have that real-time feedback, the, the more you're going to really be on top of, are we providing a great service? And, and, yeah. and, and again, it comes back to, are you in yeah. tune with your customer? Right. And I'm going to pause you for just a second yeah. to bring that home for our listeners and say that, imagine, imagine if every month by the first of the month, you knew you had enough income coming into your bank account, being deposited to cover all of your bills. Imagine how you would do things differently. Imagine how things would feel if you knew you had both payrolls or all four payrolls covered for the entire month on the first, you had your rent covered, if you had your marketing spend covered, if you had all of your contracts covered. Imagine how you would operate your business differently. And I love this. Likes Accounting started that way from the beginning. We had, by the first of the month, we cover all of our expenses. And everything we earn throughout the month is gravy. It is a different way to run a business. Now, imagine as a home service business owner who just survived February, raise your hand if February sucks, right? Uh, imagine if February didn't suck, right? Imagine if you didn't have to go through your savings. I mean, I sweat. I'm an accountant. I'm a CPA. I sweat every single February. Do I have enough saved? Is the phone going to start ringing again? Is it going to be okay? Imagine if you could even out those valleys in your company by just selling more to your existing customers because they want to buy it. Now, Dirk, we have to end there because Michelle okay. is going to absolutely pick your brain about systems, but I'm so excited to meet you. And Martha, don't forget, talk about the money of people. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Megan. Appreciate it. I love it. No, we're an MRR company as well, Pink Collars, so we get that whole rhythm of the client and how they vote every month for our services. So I totally get that. It's interesting. We work on Slack as our communication platform, but we also use Martha's uh surveying system. Um, and I love it. 
But business owners can be a little bit hard to nail down. Have you found that in your in your coaching of them? Have you found that it's hard to get feedback from business owners because they're so busy doing the thing that sometimes they can't work on the thing? Like, how do you kind of focus them when you say, okay, we got to stop. We got to work on the business now. How do you kind of use that as a strategy or a system in how you coach people? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that we tell business owners is we, we've got a little thing that we call the two by two. And okay. it means <laughs> twice a week for two hours, you got to stop everything that you're doing and you got to work on your business. So, because okay. um, we, you know, I always, I was always told, like, oh, you got to work on your business for four hours a week, you know, if you're kind of in that building yeah. phase. And I was like, <laughs> man, I think a lot of people aren't going to find a four hour time block to do anything. So, yeah. We, we did the two by two, which usually, I mean, you can get up a little bit earlier, go to bed a little bit later, whatever it is. But I mean, you can find two, two hour blocks a week to work on your business, yeah. you know? So for us, it's, it's when we're working with the client to say, look, you know, one of those time blocks is, is going to be kind of divvied up into the work that we do with you. So this is an important appointment that we have to honor Uh-oh. each week. And one of, one of the things that we also say is um, we actually calculate, right? Because a lot of what you're talking about maybe is, if the owner is still what we call in the field, right? If yeah. they are out doing a service and we actually have an economic exercise that we run through with an owner to say, here's what that's worth for you to be in the field for, for four hours, for two hours, for whatever the job is, right? Cause I mean, the sure. job could be two hours, four hours, six hours, because what they tend to think is like, Oh, I got paid, you know, this was a, this was a, a $1,200 job. <laughs> this is a $600 job. I just made $600. And, by the time that we break it out, we're like, no, you made like $32 an hour, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, yeah. we've got a formula wow. working out based on our economic formula for the structure that we run. So what we do then is to say, look, you know, you can either go say yes to that next job because you feel like you need that money right now, or you can do important work on your business that can set you up to make <laughs> another 200000 another 500000 next year. And once you can get people to switch where they understand that me being in the field is costing me money, Mm -hmm. like the majority of companies that we've seen that have exploded in revenue. And and this Uh usually sometimes has maybe 500,000, 750,000. The owner is kind of forced out of the field, Mm -hmm. not by choice sometimes, because by choice they would stay there. But we've got a lot of clients that... They, they had to get out because of a health issue. They had to get out because something happened. There was a, there was a circumstance. They had an injury, like whatever sure. happened. The moment sure. the owner exits the field, over the next two or three years, the business explodes in growth. Wow. But it's, it's hard to tell that to somebody when today they're like, I can't find a technician. I can't do this. You know? And, and they, 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 they feel like they have to be the one that says yes to that job right now because they feel like they need that money. And for us, it's, it's, it's breaking the cycle of thinking like that. And, and we, we do that by talking about it all the time and say, look, your highest and best use as an owner or a CEO is not being in the field. You know, now, if you as an owner want to be in the field, because, I mean, we have clients that they just love what they do so much. They're like, I want to do this for this in my life. Okay, that's fine. But you've got to hire a CEO then. Yeah. Somebody's got to run your company because if you're in the field, nobody's running your company. You can't yeah. run your company from the field, right? So – um, that's kind of, we just drill a lot of conversation into that and, and really talk about the importance of setting the time aside and honoring that time. It's an important, it's the, one of the most important appointments you have this week is to work on your business. 
Oh, that's huge. Okay, so other than the two by two, is there a book or some other framework that you guys use internally as your system or have you made up your own sort of uh, context to, to coach folks or are you yeah, following I mean, it's, something it's, out there? I, I'd say like ours is like a hodgepodge. Okay. <laughs> I love hodgepodge. Okay. So, I mean, uh, I learned so much from uh, my time with Keller Williams. I carry a lot of those lessons. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big 40 X fan, you know, uh, we've gone mm -hmm. through traction. I mean, we've, We've Great. gone through a lot of different systems. We use profit first. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things, but one thing that we've done is, um, again, we've got some internal systems that we've really adapted to service-based companies to really take them from a million to 10 million. And, and that's kind of our focus. But one of the big things that, that we've done is just create this super simple little org chart, again, that we call the SOG model, SOG, services, operations, and growth. And just say, look, yeah. everything has to go into one of those three buckets because Owners at some point, they're like, oh, we need this and this and this. And then they have like seven or eight different divisions <laughs> or departments. And every one of those people reports to the owner. Yeah. And then it's like they haven't even hit a million dollars in revenue yet. We're like, look, stick to those three. Maybe when you start hitting five million in revenue, now it's time to start looking at somebody like maybe you, you need to actually like have like a full time CFO or something like that in your company. Yeah. But, you know, when when you're a million dollar business like simplify it as much as possible like complexity is the enemy of growth and scalability so yeah. um we just say look you have the ceo and they have three key people your director mm -hmm. of operations director of services and your director of growth you're and and, and we'll maybe martha and, and, and i can talk about this but Ooh, i love that we tell people you are three hires away from building an incredible business that's it a, lo a lot of people think that they have to go hire so many people and it's like, no, if you hire the right three people and you teach them how to go find and hire the next people, they will continue the, the, the work of doing that. So as, as an owner, if I can just keep it super simple and just say, look, one thing that we have too, and, and, and this is something that, I mean, I would love to jump in sometime on a whiteboard with, with you and just like, okay. like sh share this. But one thing that we've done is we've taken an economic model and overlaid it with the SOG model. So we say, look, what is your, what is your expenses in you know, services, what's your expenses in operations, what's your expenses in growth, what is the CEO allocation for that? And then, you know, maybe you have a little tab for other, but then what's your profitability too? And if you really start systematically looking at this, then it makes it easy. It takes the guesswork out of how to, how to structure a business, how to run the economics in your business, and then, you know, how to hire and find the right people for those key uh, positions and, then those people are the, are the people that you just pour into as much as possible as a CEO, right? My, my number one job is to work with my team and help them succeed. That's it. Yeah. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's what I do is I have to pour into them and I got to create more opportunity for our company at a higher level. Like that's my job. Yeah. So, um, but every time, and my team will tell you this, I think one of them's actually on the, <laughs> on the, <laughs> on the deal. Every time that I get involved in their level of work, I get in the way, I screw things up and I frustrate them. So, yeah, 100%, <laughs> so, 100%, 100%. So I, I got to get out of the way and, <laughs> and systems is the way to do that, because if you yeah. don't have systems in your business, then it makes it scary because then it's just like soup, like everything's yeah. running together all the time. Yeah. Nothing, nothing is has shape or power to it. It's just like it's just 
soupy and you're like drowning in the soup all the time and like that's what that's what systems does is it, it gives you a foundation to start rising out of the soup and like you know start making chaos like order out of the chaos like that's what great systems do and, and i think like I every company it. has to spend time on systems i love it well this is a perfect segue to hand you over to martha to talk to you about all these awesome people and how you can pour into them better thank you so much dirk that was awesome thank you yeah thanks for sure. i feel like we're gonna have to have a dirk part two because there's so much to talk about. Uh, gosh, I heard several things and I'm like, oh, I'd love to talk about that. I'd love to... But we have to hit Megan's. She did request that we talk about how employees equal money, uh, you know, for a lack of a better word. But I tell you what, um, it always amazes me what people will spend on marketing to clients, mm -hmm. uh, not enough on client retention, but honestly, if it comes down to it, client retention is all about your employees and your systems. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, you said something when you were talking to Tay and you said that you just need to get a few clients, then get your systems down on how to take care of those clients, then grow, then worry about growing. And I feel like it's very much the same with employees. Mm -hmm. And uh, so let's talk about employees and how employees can save you so much money. Um, if you have the right employees, that's the key. Right. That's the key. And uh, so you can take the lead on that or I can whatever, Dirk. Yeah, I mean, like th this is exciting for me because, like, this is our specialty work. Like, people are our specialty work in in Birdflow. So, I think I've got enough information to be dangerous in when it comes to marketing and money and systems. But, um, you know, I've got people that handle that that are way way better with those things than I am, right? But the the people side of it is where uh, what we specialize in and what I have probably the greatest passion around. Okay, so this is something that I mean I could literally go for hours on. Uh, but I'll, I'll try to keep it as succinct as possible, right? The the number one thing is um, if you as an owner and an entrepreneur can make the mind shift that people are not here to help me win, I am here to help people win. Yes. If you can make that mind, mindset shift and you're committed to that, the learning experience of that over time, you'll build a phenomenal business. Mm -hmm. But most people that are out there view other people that work for them as cogs they don't really get to know them they don't know what's important to them they don't know what they want out of life and how they can help them win in the next five years they barely know their spouse's names or their kids names or anything like that and they're simply not committed to helping those people succeed and win and that's why they have high turnover that's why they can't they can't ever find the right people is because you truly don't care about them Right. right. You want them to show up and do work for you so that you can make more money. And I think when you can make that shift as an owner and you can look at your people and say, these people that work in my business is the most important thing about my business. There's nothing mm -hmm. more important about my business than the people that work in my business. And when you can start thinking that way, it changes the entire dynamics mm -hmm. of how to hire people. Like we actually don't use the word employee in, in our company. We use team members mm -hmm. because we feel like for too long, an employee has been associated with somebody that gets a paycheck where yeah. a team member shows up to be part of helping the team win. 
Mm-hmm. And when the team wins, they win because they're on the team. So it's a different dynamic for us. And the the biggest part of that starts off when when we hire people. And this is, again, like our specialty work is we teach companies how to do this. How do you really understand how to hire the right person for the right position with the right motivation? That's the X factor, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not just people say, oh, you got to get the right person for the right position. That's part of the equation. The third part of the equation is they have to have the right motivation. You have to be truly aligned with them yeah. and what they want to see happen that's successful for them. What's the win for them? And yeah. that's where we get really excited because when you see companies do that, and a lot of companies, the, the, what, what we've seen with people is that owners shoulder a lot. You just do. There's pressure, there's stress, there's financial stuff, there's somebody quit, somebody you had a fire, you know, like it's just constantly you carry a lot of stress. And some owners have broad shoulders, meaning that there's a lot of companies that they build a $500,000 company, a million dollar company, a $2 million company because they got broad shoulders. But then their knees start to start to buckle and they just can't handle the pressure anymore, right? That's where if you haven't poured into building an effective team around you, you're on your way down. Like you're, you're at a breaking point and all of us know that stress kills, right? I mean, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs get older quicker because of the stress that they constantly carry. And that's where as soon as possible, start hiring the right people. Yeah. And this is one thing that we believe in, right? If, if I'm going to be a great technician, it's probably going to take me years to really learn my craft. It's going to take me years to hone in like how to be really great at this. Hiring is no different. But we meet people all the time that they say, oh, I'm just going to hire somebody. Well, what have you studied about hiring? You know, how much time, how many hours have you committed to learning hiring? You know, how have you practiced your hiring? People don't think about hiring like that. They just think of like, oh, I need to get somebody in my company. Right. And if, if you can just slow down and say, it's not about hiring somebody. It's about hiring the next right person for my company. Yeah. That's the, that's the distinction is that I have to find the next right person. And when that person comes in, the economics following that start to go insane. Because when you have turnover, when you don't have the right people, when they're just there for a paycheck, you're just not going to be profitable. When you start hiring the right people that are committed to uh, the team, committed to the company, committed to themselves learning and growing and having an opportunity within that company, and they start caring and start bringing their creativity and their innate genius and you know real effort and focus to the work, the company becomes profitable. The company starts growing faster. And that is where I believe, like, and I said this a while ago, I was like, that's where I believe the X factor of business lies. Mm-hmm. I believe everything else is ancillary to what we call the human system, the people that comprise the company. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you said something about you saw your role as um selecting those right three people or something like that. I'm probably not saying that right. And I always said my main role was protecting our culture and making sure that I absolutely guarded our culture. And um, so for me, it was all about trust. Like Mm -hmm. I had to be able to trust but verify 
that, you know, our team members and they had to be able to trust me. And the thing is, the team members are never going to trust you, the company, if you don't trust them. And I, you know, that's very simplistic, but it's out of respect. You know, um, I, I just, for whatever reason, I've always felt this way. Now I've been burned a couple of times and I definitely learned to put in some level of verification because of that. But, you know, once you get your team members right, you for me, I barely spent any money on marketing because really taking care of my people was my marketing. And that is exactly how we didn't ever have a problem with leads. It was uh, taking care of the people. Right. Well, I think trust is foundational. I mean, you know, uh, Patrick Lencioni in the five dysfunctions of a team mm -hmm. talks about that trust is the number one thing. It's, it's the core yeah. foundation to actually building a team. If you don't have trust, there's nothing beyond trust. So um, I think that that is really important. And, you know, we, we really start working on building trust during the, the hiring process. And, yeah. you know, our, our hiring process, even if you're hiring kind of a boots to the ground technician, is minimum three weeks and and kind of four meetings. When we're hiring for an executive leadership team, we'll stretch it out to six to eight weeks and somewhere between seven to eight meetings with that person. Now, we get this all the time, right? Somebody right now is listening and they're like, I don't have the time to spend hiring. Like we're too busy. And, you know, probably one of the reasons you're feeling that pain is because you don't do a good job of hiring mm -hmm. and you've got turnover. Mm -hmm. Or you've got people that stay that do minimal type work, which is even worse. Like I'd rather have somebody show up and they just stick out so badly that they have to go than somebody that kind of blends in but fights culture from an undercurrent right. or fights performance and they stay for three years. Like that's a curse. Like that is a curse for, for you Absolutely. to have something like that in your company. Absolutely. So, I think that trust starts really with just slowing down and understanding. Like you said, your, your job is to protect the culture. Well, you have to have a definition for what the culture is. Yeah. You have to have a definition of what the values are of your company because that sets the tone for what culture becomes in your company. Right, right. I, you know, you have to have the core values, but you also have to have the non-negotiables. And yeah. that's, you know, how. And, and to your point, people who are saying, well, I don't have that kind of time and I need somebody now and that'd be nice to worry about this, 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 but I, I don't have the time. And I'm like, well, you're just throwing gasoline on a fire then. Yeah. And, and if you want to take, you know, that's what I will say is that if go into that eyes open, if that's your um, staffing philosophy, you know, to throw gas on the fire and let's just keep going until it burns the house down. Okay. You know, but you have to take responsibility that that is what you're doing. So anyway, um, we, we could go on and on. I see our time is ending. But yeah, I I would say I'm voting for Dirk Part 2 in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'd love to so, that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, all right. So we're at homework time. I'm going to pass it off to Tay. 
and she'll explain the homework and then Dirk, you can participate or not. <laughs> I'll, I'll participate, go. yeah. All right. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so homework, just a reminder for everyone who has listened, if you're new to the show, we are about to give you four to five pieces of homework. Sounds like five, Dirk's in, so he's ready to give you homework. So we're giving you five pieces this week. We just asked that you pick one that really spoke to you. So one that you know is going to really move the needle forward in your business this week. And we do have an accountability group that we will post in the comments for you to be able to join and ask questions if you do need help with the homework that you're choosing this week. So just a reminder, one piece of homework. Um, and what I want you to do, I'll kind of start with the marketing one, is I want you to just look at your current client base and Megan, it's actually kind of playing on what Megan talked about a little bit more, but it really is marketing. Um, see if they know all your services. Send out a simple email survey. Ask them if they even know what services you're offering. Because then from there, what you can be able to build upon is what Dark and I talked about, which is how to be able to properly market to those current client base and make sure you're addressing the needs that they're looking to have addressed for their business or for their, you know, their home, their business, whatever type of clients you're working with, if you are commercial. So let's just start this week with a simple question of asking if they know the services you offer. If you want to ask some more, definitely listen back to what Megan had talked about in her survey. She asked a lot of great questions. You can add those in as well to add some extra value to that survey. Uh, we're on the same page. Same homework. It's a twofer. Uh, I have um, the hack, though. Millennial hack. Tanner, the millennials on the call. Uh, if I hired a guy, like, I, I didn't have time to build it out. I didn't have time to think about all the technology. I didn't want to think about pre-populating. I didn't want to think about, like, what order. So you can absolutely cover mine. I give you all the questions. There's no tricks in there. Or you can hire my guy. I told him that you can just copy mine. So his name's Andrew Miller. I get nothing from this, but he's super smart and he's helping me like really do all these automations. So uh, my homework is hire Andrew to do a survey or do your own survey. But I wish I'd done it five years ago. Don't wait. And Dirk said, do it every year. So if you surveyed your customers three years ago, this is your sign. It's time to do it again. Um, this isn't a one and done. You want to keep having those candid conversations with your clients. And if you're terrified of emailing your clients, pick up the phone and call them. They'll be very happy to hear from you. So that is um, marketing and finance. Two for homework this week. Two for one. <laughs> Two for one. Yay. And mine is really simple. It's time blocking. I love the two by two. I thought that was adorable. I can remember it. It's easy. It's simple. Um, and I'm all of the folks on the screen know that I am a time blocking weirdo. Everything about my life is on a time block. I mean, I'm surprised I don't time block how to be a parent half the time because it's got to be in there. Right. Um, so I, well, I think you that do. You don't awesome. take evening meetings. That's time. I don't. I do. I do have good boundaries about that. That's true. Um, so I'm going to ask everybody to do some time blocking enlist that two by two methodology into your business this week. It's really good. Okay. And I think I've given this homework before, but I'm going to give it again is um, I want you to list. Hopefully you have core values and you know what you're about, but I want you to list your non-negotiables and I want you to rate yourself on how well you protect your culture based on those non-negotiables. So it, that's pretty easy. 
to do. The fixing is the hard part, but uh, I can help you with that if you need it. And uh, that's your homework. All right, Dirk. All right. So the first thing is I want you to have some fun with this work and just grab some pen, grab a pen and some paper. And I want you to um, draw out your current org chart. However, it looks today, just draw your current org chart out. And then I want you to dream about three years into the future and think about the company you want to build and draw out that future org chart and really start letting your mind start going towards, okay, what can this look like three years from now? No matter how small you are today or how big you are. And then part two of the homework is go into where you currently are, put everybody's names on there and really ask yourself an important question. Who on my team is showing up in the way that I absolutely want to have in my future business three years from now? And that will just start bringing some awareness to what you're building and who you're building it with. That's awesome. Love it. Great one. All right. Well, Dirk, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, kind of find out some more information about yourself and your business, um, what would be the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah, we keep it simple. Just go to bergflow.com, B-E-R-G-F-L-O-W.com. And if you click around there, you should be able to get in contact with us. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. And Dirk, we always end with a quote. And so I found one I thought was pretty appropriate for today. It's from Gandhi. And he said, I suppose leadership at one time meant muscles, but today it means getting along with people. And I think that kind of covers what we talked about today. Getting along with people is pretty awesome. Thank you so, so much for joining us. What a fun hour. It went by in a snap. And absolutely, we're going to have you back for version two, I promise. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And have an awesome day. And thanks for seeing you. Thanks, Dirk. Have a great day. Go Go fight. fight. (laughs) Okay, bye. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.